Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Rita Kim. She's the CEO at Partners for Growth Advisory Services. So Rita, Rita, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Oh, well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> I've known you a few years. <laughs> you. <laughs> and when I think back, you know, when I first met you, you were doing a lot of networking. You were, you know, you were heavily into finance. Walk me through Rita back then. Yeah, I guess you and I had met when we were both volunteering or supporting the Canadian Manufacturers and Exporters Association. And here's this nice, quiet, calm guy running a team of folks. And like, who is this guy? <laughs> they were actually paying me. <laughs> oh, they were actually, oh, see, the things that you learn, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? See, I mean, I was helping, but they nice enough to to pay me for organizing that group so got it got it so back then i was working i think it was bdc the business development bank of canada and what my role was there was to support entrepreneurs as they start or grow their businesses and when they were looking to get either financing or advisory services and so my role would be to go in and learn a little bit more help them understand some of the the things that we were looking for and see if there was a fit or a match to support them either now or perhaps a little bit later when they worked on their risk concerns that needed to be alleviated. And then shortly thereafter, I was pulled over to HSBC and then did the same kind of thing over there as well. So all of it in BC in the lower mainland or Vancouver. And so that was kind of my role to go out there and look for people that wanted to grow their businesses and get financing. And it might seem odd to entrepreneurs, but bankers are always looking for people to lend to, even though perhaps, you know, it's, they don't always do it (laughs) (laughs) when you want and how much you want, but but yeah. Always got the sense that you were trying to make it work though. Yeah. That's the thing is, is that you don't want to, there are some, some no's right off the bat illegal, immoral, all that kind of stuff. Those are easy. But then the rest of it is some people may or may not be aware of some of the things that could be causing risk potentially to themselves. And and it's more of just helping with understanding and knowledge and such. So entrepreneurs are the folks that are the visionaries, right? The ones that are always looking forward. The bankers are not visionaries. Let's be clear. <laughs> the bankers are looking in the past and saying, historically, what have you done? And let me base everything I'm going to do for you going forward on mostly historical, some current and some future. Yeah. So, well, yeah. VDC kind of bridges that a little bit better. I, I get the sense. And so I, I know you were betting a bit more on the future than the past. How do you differentiate? I've always known you'd be able to you know, form long-term relationships and sort of surround yourself with good people. So how much of that was learned? How much of that was instinct? 
Well, the relationship side of it, I believe firmly that's just the key to life, period. Let's just be real. And that was something that was instilled in us when we were young. And so it's not about getting, it's always about giving, it's always about learning, it's always about sharing. So the more you listen, the more you learn, the more you are able to give or share, you know, you just get so much from that. And I think that relationships are established when you start with that process. Some of my greatest relationships are from the volunteer work because we all had like-minded and similar values. And relationships are not easy. They're quite hard. <laughs> you have to work at them. It is a big effort on that. But I've been blessed to have great people somehow around me and, you know, both mentors, people like yourself. I Just so you all know, I call Tat a mentor. He refuses to accept that half the time. <laughs> and so, but, but I think that that's one of those things. And those people will always help you stay on the right path and keep you moving forward forward, even when you kind of go, what's the point some days and just want to just slide off. Uh, so I think that that's one, the first and foremost, and the rest of the other pieces when it comes to supporting growth and entrepreneurs is, is a lot of learning. And so I think the learning has to come. If you're going to support an entrepreneur, one of the biggest things is, is to be able to help empathize and understand and you can't do that if you say, oh, I get it, but you've never gone through it. So every type of heartache, pretty much an entrepreneur has gone through. I think I've done it to myself several times over and really, really, really well, which means bad. <laughs> and so, so I think that because of that, I can probably empathize a little bit better. And, you know, I, I think that through those learnings build our character and who we are, because as you go through those process or times or transitions, you really get a sense of understanding who you are. And sometimes you don't like who you are. And then the next time or something else happens, you try to try to be a little bit better. But as you go through these trials and heartaches, then you can also turn and share and support others. So. A question just popped in my head when you were saying, hey, you know, because you're in banking and you said empathy is important, you know, not sympathy, but empathy. How did you approach sort of understanding entrepreneurship and risk? Because in banking, you're supposed to avoid risk. Well, it's not it's not necessarily avoid risk, because if you're a lender, you actually have to take some losses. And if you're not prepared to take any, you're not very good at all whatsoever. But you've got to be able to understand the risk and then mitigate the risk and in a, in a way that that would be, you know, somewhat beneficial for everyone. So you may not be right there. Actually, I don't think there's anyone I know that is perfect. <laughs> so there's always risk involved. So it's about getting to that risk level that would be OK for everyone to, you know, kind of say we can handle this and 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 communicate and work on this together. So so that's the first piece about risk is first of all is understanding it and a lot of people aren't aren't even aware of some of the concerns of risk. So that that builds out the education piece and understanding. And then the second part of it is is saying can you either you know mitigate it or build a strategy around it to help mitigate it or just overcome it completely because sometimes you can. A risk could be anything from 
HR, it could be the owner themselves, it could be dependency on certain clients, it could be dependency on suppliers, you know, financial concerns. It's just a whole slew of them. But just going through the process and understanding would be step one. Yeah. You mentioned a lot of different things. And I know as a business owner, you know, you dream up new things to worry about, but where's the line where you can stop worrying or you shut it down because you've done enough proactively to mitigate risk? Yeah. You know, I, I heard something, I read it somewhere the other day, just recently. And, and my doctor of all people 25 years ago had said something as well. And, and that was when I was pregnant for the first time. And people are going to say, what are you talking about? We're talking about business. Well, I, as I said earlier, it, it's still all relatable to life. And I said, I was worried because you start worrying about the baby, or you can say your business, which is also somebody's baby because you birth it, you build it, you grow it and, and such. And so he said, well, what are you worried about? <laughs> I'm worried about, you know, the, the pregnancy. I'm worried about what I'm eating. I'm worried about actually a lot about the birth, you know, and what that's going to be like. (laughs) And he's like, okay, I got it. I got it. So here, why don't we do this? Take your worries first five minutes of the day, dump them all, just say them all out loud. And then you're done. You can revisit them at night if you want to, but you got to let it go because you got to get on with the day. And then if you continue the worry process, you're not able to actually enjoy what you're doing. So you started a business probably because you figured out a gap or a niche or a problem and you're able to solve it. And that's supposed to help people and help yourself too. But if you're just busy worrying, how are you going to enjoy that? How are you supposed to just take a moment and breathe and relax or have fun? I think that's very important to build out. Someone else had mentioned just the other day that I was, that thing that I was reading was the worry tree. So a guy was working, he's an entrepreneur. He went through so many headaches the whole day. And then, you know, his client followed him into his house because he invited him for dinner. And then he stopped in front of his house. There was a tree and he touched the tree and then he walked in. So the worry guy and the stressed out guy that was there with him all day disappeared. As he stepped into the house, he was full of joy and laughter and smiled and joked. And the client goes, well, what happened? He goes, well, that's the worry tree. That's where you drop all the worries. And when you walk into your home, your wife or husband or children, they don't deserve any of that. They don't need any of that. They have enough of that. So let me give them the rest of me, the good part of me. So I thought that was that was really nice. It's really inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. I was just trying to visualize as, you know, the the work at home stuff all blends together. How do, oh, you, yeah. how do you, you know, the tree is not outside, maybe it's inside the house, like where do you put this tree? <laughs> well, if you have an office and some people, the whole house is their office, but you know, some people have a dedicated space, put the worry tree right in the office. <laughs> Let's put a picture up <laughs> and there you go. Yeah. Don't get a cactus though, right? No, don't get a A picture is nice too. You can just touch the picture on the wall. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about the proactive side. Okay. But you know, this, that when you were in banking or what, whatever you were doing, not everyone comes and wants to be proactive, right? So here we are, you get this call and here's Rita, the fixer, right? Tell me about Rita, the fixer and how to be effective there. Well, it goes back again to to start that relationship with understanding and learning 
it was always a lot of learning, taking the time. So the you can't fix anything if you don't have any knowledge about it. And that kind of aggravates me to no end when I hear people go, well, I saw your numbers and here's all the issues that you've got. So fix it. Well, you didn't even bother to learn the story. You didn't bother to ask. So, you know, step one is to, to understand and only way to understand and get people to share what's happening with their business, because why would they, why would they share? First of all, like, I mean, they don't trust these people. They're bankers (laughs) for goodness sakes. right? (laughs) So you're always on this uphill battle because the last person may not have been the best. So you've got to build that relationship first. So I'd always go, I'd make sure I go out and say, hi, you know, face-to-face seeing the eyes. That was very important. Looking at the operations, hearing and learning and meeting the staff was huge. Understanding uh, on the floor, on the ground, what happened in a typical day. And then, of course, you have to have some pretty strong knowledge of understanding financials. And, you know, I've got it down to an art and a science. I can pretty much read what happened to you. It's like kind of reading your skeleton and And you kind of say, well, oh, over here is when you fell off the bike. Over here is when you bruised your knee. Over here is when, oh boy, that was a bad break. You were out of commission for a few months, right? And over the years, it's all explained and shown in your financials. So I have a pretty good understanding of seeing what has happened. And then you match the story to the numbers. So when you start establishing the relationship, understanding, seeing things in action, matching the story to the numbers... That's how you can, and then saying, what are your end goals? Where are you going? What's the purpose? And a lot of people haven't had that question asked to them either. It's like, where are you going? What what are you trying to get to or achieve? And then you kind of go, okay, I see now. Here's what happened. Here's where you're at. And here's where you want to go. So now all these things that you did that may not have made sense in the numbers actually now do make sense. So for example, if you look at, you know, the numbers, on your financial statements and see a bunch of expense, but not the matching revenue. You're like, what happened? Well, I had to buy the equipment, hire the people first, but those are expenses and they don't actually convert to proper revenue for balancing out the expense until a little bit later. But I knew that we were going to get these new contracts or this new work. So we had to ramp up for growth over here and then I can move over here. So That's why your numbers didn't look. Okay, so how are we doing with that process? How are we doing with that? Under okay, so here's some risk that I see. Here's some concerns that let's talk about them. Let's strategize about them, and then let's move you over to how we can help you get what you need. The other part of it is some people think they need it all at once, like a huge dump of funds. Tech, you know, it's typically never that way. So usually we find money within the company. Usually you need tranches of funds. And then as you get your tranches, it gets you to the next, to the next, to the next. So I guess that's perhaps what you're trying to say is how do you fix things? You never really fix anything, (laughs) but I think it's more helping and understanding and helping with that growth process, but nothing's ever fixed. (laughs) Just trying to enjoy the challenges. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Try not to have so much pain as you go through the challenges, right? Because there's a lot of pain sometimes. (laughs) I guess so. Finance is pain management. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you have a podcast, which I had the pleasure of experiencing. In my eyes, very unique because I showed up, there was all this onboarding and there was, was it 
four or five hosts and I had no idea what was going to happen. I guess if it was a TV show, like a daytime TV show, it makes sense, but I didn't understand, but it was just flawless. So walk me through how that came to be and how that fits in with Rita now. Yeah, sure. So early 2020, you all will remember where you were at probably around March or April (laughs) of 2020. So before all the massive chaos happened and things were just starting to happen with the pandemic, we had a, you know, an opportunity to meet up at a friend's house. And at that point, I think we'd already been two months in or something and we hadn't seen each other physically. And that was really weird because that that's just not the way we do business. We're always able to go see and say hi. And, you know, the faces, the eyes, that's really important. So we went to Peggy's house and we had the opportunity to sit down. So myself and the partners that we have on the podcast, one of our partners was going through a really rough patch and she had this big HR concern and she was about to let go of the whole company. And of course, you know, she's sitting with a bunch of business folks and we're all women. It just happened to be. We're all type A. We're very strong minded. And all of our jobs, if you let's go back to your words, fixers. (laughs) So that was our job. But we were in various facets of the industry. So one in grants and finance, accounting, tax. That was kind of our backgrounds. And that's this is stuff we deal with. So we just surrounded her and just got down to the bare bones. Here's the issue. It's not what you're actually talking about. It's this. And the issue was she wasn't happy doing all the stuff. So what do you love doing in the business? I love this. Well, that's it. We're focusing on this. This guy gets this piece. And these are the steps you were going to take to actually move these things forward. And, you know, Bob's your uncle. We're done. And, you know, a lot of wine, a lot of wine that day. We had some cider that day and some amazing food. But At that moment, we all realized that we all need that support. And then how do you get that support? And how do you pay for all that support? How do you find the right people to go through that process? So that's where Serenity Now for Entrepreneurs was born. So it's a bit tongue in cheek, obviously. You know, many entrepreneurs don't find Serenity. But we thought, let's bring all all of our expertise to the table and say, hey, let's, you know, three pillars. One, let's be able to share knowledge and understanding. And akin to like you were talking about a TV show, just think of, I hate using the analogy of The View. I didn't say it. I thought it. I didn't say it. You said it. Yeah, a bunch of people, but in this case, it's very different. We're experts in our own industries and, and somebody coming on the show and saying, let's have a talk about perhaps this particular issue or concern in business, and then getting resources. So we also built out resources for people to be able to get access to, because during the pandemic, you weren't able to go visit, you weren't able to see anyone. So you might've lost access to some resources. And then, so, you know, one where one was the resources, one where we talk about a viewpoint. And the third was actually bringing an entrepreneur on to say, here's my problem on this spot figure it out with me, all you people in finance, in tax, in legal, in marketing, in grants. So you people help me for free and just help me grow. And it's a give back project. It's one of those legacy kind of places or points in life where you say, this is all of who I am and all of what I want to be able to share and give back you know, my knowledge and understanding, but also these other people that have the same values and, you know, systems and thoughts as I do. So we all wanted a place to give back. 
and we felt it was really needed, especially during that time. And so that's just a little bit about Serenity Now for entrepreneurs. And how did that relate to a change in how you operate with where you live now and how you're moving forward with all that? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question, Tat. So how does it relate to everything? One, I don't like going on podcasts or doing podcasts. And so there you go. I'll just say it. So that was a big comfort zone issue. As someone in finance and basically my my business is the business of risk. You don't go on these things. You could say something that could come back to bite you and, and, and then that causes risk. So how do you mitigate all that? You can't. So I'm also an introvert, you know, and that was tough trying to, trying to do that. So it pulled me out of several comfort zones, but it also helped me realize the impact and understanding of what I've been doing with my clients, you know, put them on the spot and say, let's talk, let's go through this process. And also during the pandemic, you realize life is short. <laughs> And what are we actually doing? And, you know, is this really where I want to be? And sometimes you have this idea of like, I'll do it later, you know, or it's supposed to happen, you know, after I retire. And it propelled probably the idea of the understanding of just taking some time out for ourselves and taking kind of, you know, stock what's going on and who are we? We have, you know, a huge family in BC and that's where we lived at the time. And all of a sudden we did a road trip to Alberta in September of 21. And that four day road trip was life changing because we went and sat with an old friend from high school at their farm and for six hours, just enjoying the farm and food and talk and understanding. And we just thought, how do people live like this? Don't you get up at four in the morning and work till midnight? Isn't that normal? How is this possible to actually sit and visit? And yes, they work hard. They've got about 150 animals on the farm. They grow crops. But yet they still had time to do this. And the and the sky, oh, Tad, the sky was majestic. The blue sky touched the ground. And we were like, we, we just don't even get out enough to enjoy any of this. So we started looking at properties. Next thing we know, we put an offer in, drove back within four days and put our place up for sale. Within under 60 days, we upped and moved to Alberta. And now we're sitting on a large acreage. Uh, learning how to garden slash farm. We have chickens and, but we call our new place the sanctuary. And I've probably never been more productive in my life, never worked so hard in my life, never went outside so much in my life. I'm, I'm building these things called muscles, perhaps in places I never had. <laughs> you so, used to wake up at four or five in the morning and work out yeah, every day. So I yeah, don't know. You used yeah, to that's, muscles. Yeah. But but still, it's a different kind. It's a different thing. So it's it's closer Farming to muscle. the life. Yeah. And it's closer to the life that we actually wanted and never thought would be possible or never thought we could. And, and here we are. So I think it propelled it a little bit more. Serenity Now has helped us understand ourselves a little bit more. And then I've got great partners I get to chat with regularly as well. So wonderful. Yeah. Great story. Is there anything that I did not cover that you wanted to chat about further? I think the only thing would be is if you're running a business, you know, some people do it. There's various reasons, but if you're not passionate about it, or if you've lost your passion, perhaps because you're in the thick of things or in quagmire or whatever this is, it's really, really important to take a moment 
one, not to just reach out to someone and say, hi, help me. No, 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 no. The first thing, first thing you want to do is take a moment for yourself. And, and what I always recommend is go to a safe place, whether it's your closet, because that's the only place you can get away from people. <laughs> it's down by the river or, or somewhere where you just take two hours for yourself. You can have one glass of wine or one drink, but no more. And the first hour and, and take a book, a book and a paper pen. I know it's going to be odd because you don't usually use those. I use them every day, but you go there and talk about to yourself, what is it that I want? What are my end goals? Because sometimes we haven't given ourselves that opportunity to do that. And the first hour, you're probably going to just, you know, sit there and stare and just breathe in wherever you're at and maybe have that drink, whatever that is. But the second hour, you're going to start writing. And then all these ideas are going to start happening. And it's going to be you know, just a ton of blue sky ideas. Don't let anything hold you back. That book or paper is yours. No one's going to see it. Just write it all out and then put it away for a day and then come back. And then you see, you know, the cream of the crop that's going to come to the top. This is actually what I want to do. Then you go forward and say, how do I find the people that will help me get here? And then you go forward from there. But it's, I think what's most important is taking that moment for yourself before you go to talk, someone else is going to have their own ideas of what success looks like, right? Or what's important. So some people would think about my idea of semi-retirement of going to a bit acreage and learning how to farm and figure out chickens and other animals. Crazy. And that's not success. That's nuts. <laughs> but to us, it's right. And it fits. So now we seek out advisors and support that can help us do what we want to do and enjoy it better. So I think that's, that's about it. At risk doesn't have to be scary, but don't forget to assess it. Don't forget to review it and look at it on a monthly basis. And the bankers, if you find a good one, they're not that scary. They actually can be pretty good advisors. I think that's about it. Well said. The real risk is not finding what you really want. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks, Rita. Thanks, Tat. Thank you for listening to the Specify Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tat's Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>